I still think he might be the best candidate. This is a glorified ambassador role, I think. I do know why I am opting for one particular candidate. How do you actually think you can successfully win a contest against Michael G. Higgins? Welcome to The Candidate, the Journal.ie's in-depth look at who's running in the presidential campaign. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and I've sat down with each hopeful to get a closer look at who they are and what they want to do as president. I don't think about threats. I don't think about who's better than me because I believe I am the best. I believe I am the right person and I believe I will get the votes. This episode features Joan Freeman and I'm joined in DIT Angel Street studio by our assistant news editor Aoife Barry who's going to tell us a little bit more about Freeman's background. Aoife, what have you learned about her? Yeah, Joan Freeman is a senator. She's from Dublin. Uh, she's best known as the founder of the mental health charity and the treatment provider Pieta House which no doubt many listeners have heard of. And Pieta House organises the Darkness into Light fundraising event that's basically an early morning walk and it's grown to become an international event and it raises awareness about mental health. Now she grew up as one of of eight children. She grew up in, in Clontarf in Dublin. Now she lives in Lucan and she has four children and four grandchildren herself. She actually became an independent senator in 2016. She was nominated by the Taoiseach for that role and her attempt to become president from, I suppose, a charitable background she's not the first person to try to do that. Obviously Mary Davis tried to do that seven years ago as well. Yeah, so I think a lot of people will have name recognition, obviously about Pieta House and definitely about Darkness into Light, but maybe not so much about Joan Freeman or up until now maybe wouldn't have been able to pick her out on the street? Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, the charity Pieta House has a very high profile across Ireland. There's 15 centres across the country. But Freeman herself, she hasn't been at the forefront of that since she founded it in 2006. She's no longer involved in the day-to-day running of Pieta House. And she is listed, though, as the founder and ambassador to the charity. So she has that function there. And in her own campaign video for this, the presidential campaign, she said she's aware she might not be known, but she says that her work speaks for itself. And she also said that and I quote she didn't want Joan Freeman to be known but she wanted Pieta House to be known um, now she is a very hard worker she says that she works every single day and she hopes that people will get to know me as she says over the course of the next seven years so this is her chance I suppose to step out and become at the forefront of something rather than being the head of a charity um, who people might not know very well now she wants to say I'm Joan Freeman this is what I do Yeah it definitely sounds like she's changed her mind since whenever she made that statement so what does she actually want to do if she does become president? Well it's not a surprise to hear that she wants to make addressing mental health a cornerstone of her presidency and she also wants to host an annual day of wellness in the Auris we haven't got a huge amount of information on what she means by wellness or an annual day of wellness but obviously it's going to be hugely connected to the idea of mental health and wellness She's also promised that she wants to promote the value of community. Again, that's not a big surprise. But how she wants to do that is by extending the Gashka Award to people of all ages, so not just people of a certain age group. And she also wants to support a new initiative that she calls County Connection Projects. Again, we don't have a massive amount of info on that, but you can tell by the name. It's about you know going national, connecting people from across the country. Um, going back again to younger people who seem to be one of the other cornerstones of her campaign, she says that if she was president, she would give young people a voice on the Council of State and she'd also change the attitude 
and language around older people. So she really wants to connect with people of all ages across the country, which, again, is not a massive surprise to hear. So that's her plan. Has there been any moments in the campaign that might have scuppered her in, in being elected? Yeah, there have been some controversial moments for Joan Freeman. They focus on money. She's had to answer a lot of questions about the funding of her campaign. Obviously, it's not cheap if you want to be president. You have to raise a lot of money in the current campaign. There are people who have their own money. But she got €120,000 of a loan from the US-based businessman Des Walsh. But what was interesting about that was that Walsh was a former boyfriend of hers from when she was a teenager, back 40 years ago. And she says that the loan will be paid back over five years. But there were some questions about Des Walsh and the businesses he was involved in and how she ended up getting this €120,000 loan. But she did answer that. Again, he is that former flame of hers from decades ago. She also raised some eyebrows by telling a radio station that she had believed as a teenager that a visit to Knock had cured her eczema. There was initially a video of her talking about that at an event and then she had to answer some questions about why she believed that. But um, She doesn't necessarily believe it anymore, right? The video that first emerged of her talking about this was at the National Ovina back in 2015, but the video only emerged recently, obviously, after her campaign began and featured her saying that she believed that visit to knock cured her eczema. She has come out since and said that at the time she did believe it was absolutely responsible, but now she doesn't believe it. She did believe it as a teenager, but it's no longer the case to her. OK, thank you very much, Aoife. We spent the last couple of minutes there talking about how much doing Joan Freeman has done over her life so far, setting up Pieta House, setting up Darkness into Light, making that become the phenomenon it is today, then bringing all of that to America. So it's one of the things, it was the first thing I asked um, when I sat down with Joan Freeman is, why does she want to go from that to a role that's much more about representation and ceremony? Well, first of all, I disagree with you there. Um, It's not just about representing the country, besides obviously uh, safeguarding the constitution. But every single president brings a dimension with them. Um, And and it's it's their choice what that dimension is. So, for example, Mary Robinson became the voice for the dispossessed. Mary McAleese built bridges. Michael D. Higgins is about art and culture. So, I want to build on what I've already achieved. And you've said this already that, you know, uh, being the founder of Pieta House, being the founder of Darkness into Light, that has really gathered people into uh, focusing on one of our social issues. And it's it's such an incredible thing to watch. At three o'clock in the morning, 200,000 people walked not because of me, but because of suicide and trying to fight that scourge of suicide in our country. So I want to build on that. I want to turn the lens of the presidential uh, office onto the social issues such as homelessness, such as addiction, such as, you know, our waiting list. Can you do more as a citizen? You've, You've showed as an ordinary citizen that you can do a lot. Can you not do more just as you are? And, you know, I thought actually, to be perfectly honest, I was going to be able to achieve a lot more becoming a senator. Um, And what I did in the two and a half years as a senator, I absolutely achieved things such as um, passing a piece of legislation through the Shannon, which is preventing, trying to prevent children being placed into adult psychiatric wards, you know. But it took two and a half years to do that and it still has to go through the door. 
You know, that's going to take another year. Um, yes, I formed a committee, a joint Oireachtas committee on mental health, the first not only in the history of the state, but actually in Europe. Yes, I did do those things. I brought the people in, the public, in from into, into the chamber. And there are things you won't be able to do when you're in Oireachtas. You'll be on state visits, you'll be uh, welcoming people to the house, you'll be doing a lot of... Um, small talk with very important people, yes, but there'll be foreigners, there'll be people outside of Ireland, you'll be outside of Ireland a lot. So can you not do more as you are? But can you say that about Mary Robinson and Mary McAleese? Well, when you mentioned Mary Robinson, she so she did her six to seven years. She left a month and a half early because another job came up in the UN where she felt she could do more and she didn't take on the second term. So what... Do you think she did that because you can actually do more? I think I think also uh, with with her, she was so sad to leave actually the presidential office because if you remember, and you're probably too young to remember this, she stood in Somalia and all she had to do was stand there and she drew the world's attention to that terrible, terrible problem. Um, and so I actually honestly believe that I could achieve more um, and, you know, the government, while they're looking after some of the, the issues such as homelessness, etc., what we need is to be the, the conscience and the heartbeat of, the, of our country to focus on the people to focus back on the people. What we've done for the last seven years is try to build up the economy and even building up the economy. So many people are still neglected. So I want to build up communities. I want to build up that strength. I've gone, for example, one of the most uh, incredible things on this campaign. And even though I've done it before with Darkness into Light, travelling around the country, but I've seen at first hand how we in Dublin are living in a bubble, that the counties around us are struggling. They are neglected. But what happens is, and this is the most incredible thing, is that the communities help themselves. I was at uh, I was in South Hill in Limerick yesterday. Um, there were things I didn't know, even though I have been going around the country for years. But for example, a fuel poverty, a fuel poverty in South Hill in Limerick. But the other thing I learned. But what can you do about that if you're president? Drawing attention, drawing attention. So has Michael D not been drawing enough attention to the problems that we have at the moment? So Michael, Michael D has been looking outwards and that's what he needed to do. We're a very different country than we were seven years ago. You know, we, there's an increase on homelessness. There's an increase on all these terrible issues such as addiction and the waiting list for our children in particular. So what Michael D did, he looked outwards which we needed that at the time. Seven years later, we need to look inwards and we need to look at what's really happening to our people. You know, we spoke earlier about that incredible uh, interview with that young girl who's staying in a hotel. And that how, was the Morning Ireland interview. In the Morning Ireland interview, how she knew and dreaded lifting the blanket up her, of herself because she knew what she had to face that day. And we're talking about mental health here. And, you know, one of the things I want to achieve if I become president is the well-being of our country and the mental health. Draw attention to it. We need to realise, you know, one of the things, again, that we forgot about this morning until we heard this young girl is that the people who have to live in hotels, their mental health is on, is on, is, is almost over the top. And, and we've got to remember that. We stop thinking about numbers. 
we stop thinking about outside of Ireland, look back into Ireland and see where we are. So Michael D. Higgins has actually started talking about mental health as well during his campaign, which obviously is an area that you're very involved in. So maybe he is starting to do that inward look. Are you going to have to at some point fight him, fight the incumbent and actually criticise some of what he has done in the last seven years or what he could do in the next seven to have any chance of winning this? So certainly not fight with him about the last seven years. He did a good job. But we are a different Ireland now. And Michael D, along with a couple of other of the candidates, are also talking about mental health. Um, But to be honest, I'm the expert. I'm the one who knows. I'm the one who's served the public all my adult life. I have served the public. I have that track record where I have not only served the public, but campaigned about mental health. So I'm really the expert on that. He may be an expert on other things, but truly we need to focus on the mental health of our country and I'm the right person to do that. Are you willing for the campaign to get a little bit dirtier than it has? Everyone has been so polite about, (laughs) particularly about the president, um, obviously because he is in the office and it's a little unusual. Are you willing for it to get a little bit dirtier, I guess, is the best word I can use. Well, you know, when I made the decision and I made the decision with my family that I was going to go for this, I also knew I was putting my head above the parapet. I knew that it was going to get dirty, but I was willing to for that to happen simply because I believe so strongly in what this country needs at this moment. And, and that's the other thing, you know, our country is brilliant at, at, at being able to elect a president that they need at that time, that reflects the needs of Ireland at that time. Putting your head above the parapet, one of the things you've had to deal with a lot is the financing around your campaign and the questions. Do you have any regrets now about that deal with Des Walsh, the €120,000 loan? So, as I've said before, and again on the record, um, this was a personal loan of, of his personal money. And really, no matter what I say, it will make no difference. It's the same answer. And really, we need to move on because what we need the public to hear is not about the loan. It's about what I can do as a, as a president for the next seven years and what I want to achieve for the people of Ireland. But there has been a lot of talk about money in the campaign and it is what the public have heard. that We've heard about the €317,000 um, fund with Michael D. Higgins's uh, presidency at the moment. We've heard about how much everybody is spending. So people do want to know, well, if you didn't do the due diligence that people feel like you should have on that loan, then what can we expect in the seven years? So I think the questions are valid. Would you, if you were doing it over again, would you still take that loan? Well, first of all, what I would focus on if I become president is the budget for the presidential office um, and everything that goes with that. I would absolutely have freedom of information for that simply because we've got to remember that this is the public's money and that's the first thing I would do. But also... Is Michael D. Higgins wrong to not have freedom of information available to journalists or to ordinary people? Well, I, I think if people demand that, that that should be answered. But you've also... So got, he is wrong? I think wrong is the wrong word because remember, it's the presidential office that is that controls the money. So it should be the office that should be answering that. Um, and if I, I presume Michael D. can give permission for that or not. I'm not actually not quite sure. But... But what we've also got to remember, and this is so important, I am the average Joe person. You know, what is happening, and we must prevent it from happening, is that either you're aligned to a party or you have personal wealth. 
And we must stop that. That's the only way you can become a candidate. We have to stop that. We need to be able to represent Ireland and without having to be aligned or having personal wealth. And as far as, you know, when you look at, uh, as, as I said, freedom of information, I, as the, the, the founder of Pieta House, had to give every account for every single penny that was spent or brought in because it was the public's money and that's what we should be doing with every office. Is there a part of you with the amounts of money that be being spent, a couple of hundred thousand um, minimum by each candidate, um, is there a part of you that would like that money to go to Pieta House or to Solace House? A part of which money? The money that's being spent on these campaigns, your own campaign. Well, you know, no, I, I wouldn't want it to go to Pieta House because this is a very, very important role that we're talking about. And what we've got to think about is that this is like applying for the most important job, one of the most important jobs. And we have to focus on that the, the people are the future employers. So when you're looking for a job, you have to find out from the candidate or the applicant a couple of things. One, Number one, do they have the qualities? Do they have the qualities for the role? Do they have determination, resilience, energy, all these qualities that that's required? Will, they, will Ireland be proud of that person if they do and when they do represent them? But the third thing is, like every job application, you have to prove by your CV that you've had an experience that your past, your past work will reflect what you can achieve in the next seven years. Now, to be honest, I am that person. I have proven to the country that not only have I determination and resilience and the energy, as you said at the very beginning, you know, I, I'm a doer, but I also have proved that I have served the public and I've served the public well and I really will serve the public so well in the next seven years if they choose me. Do you think as the other candidates can say that? Again, I'm so focused on what I can do. I, I'm sure they can say it. I'm sure if you ask them that question, they will answer magnificently. But I think that's going back to we have to look, we have to be realistic and you have to be realistic and your campaign has to be. When you're looking at polling numbers, now obviously it was an early poll in September, but you were down at 3%. So realistically, you do have to look around you and, and think, what are the other people who are doing that are higher than me? Well, they have, first of all, they have more of a profile. They would have had more of a profile. They would have had a recognisable uh, face. Uh, they remember, they were on a, a television programme, a well-known television programme. Um, but, you know, you, you said 3%. Mary Robinson was 1% at, at one stage. So I don't go by the polls. But again, as I said, I trust the electorate that they will choose the right candidate. Who do you think is your biggest threat to not bringing that up, say, to even the level of getting your costs back from the state on what you spent? Again, um, do you know what? I'm, I'm such a positive person. I don't see, I don't think about threats. I don't think about who's better than me because I believe I am the best. I believe I am the right person and I believe I will get the votes. What was your thinking behind setting up Solace House in New York? So obviously Pieta House was um, such a an amazing movement here. Mm. What was the idea of bringing it to New York? Okay, so every location that we have around the country, every whether it was Limerick or, or Kerry, we were invited. We were invited by the public. I didn't just suddenly one day say, oh, let's let's go and set up in Limerick. 
We were invited by the community. They saw a need and they, they invited us and helped us set up in, ev- in every county. It was exactly the same in New York. So it was a pilot programme, uh, Pieta New York. Um, and what we were what we were aiming at, first of all, was the Irish and the Irish wherever they are. Um, and what we discovered was that not only the undocumented Irish came to us, but also the Irish who were documented but couldn't afford services, but also had this connection with home. So that was one of the most extraordinary things. So two weeks ago, the second centre was opened. So there's one in Queens, there's one in Yonkers, which is the absolute capital of the uh, of the Irish population. I don't know if you've ever gone there, but this is such a heavily populated uh, Irish community. It has been extraordinary. It's been an extraordinary thing to, to watch. And is it all Irish people who use the service? No. In fact, that that's the other thing which has also become extraordinary, um, is that we have seen so many nationalities. They have also just taken on a Spanish speaking therapist so that we can cover as many people as possible. Is it a distraction from what the services here? We had figures this week that 392 people lost their lives to suicide last year. Is having it an international a bit distracting to what you actually can do here when, when it's so badly needed? So I, I stepped down. I stepped away from being CEO three years ago so that I could focus on uh, the international um, part. But the the board, the Irish board, and you know the the CEO are doing an extraordinary job in a very di- in very difficult circumstances. You've also got to remember, suicide rates have come down, not enough, not enough, but Pieta House Ireland is doing such a good job, and they will continue to battle against those figures. We just had a question from from a reader about um, the homeless and housing crisis. Like what what's going on in Ireland in general today? Um, I mean, like the homeless, the homeless crisis, it's, it's not getting any better. It's, you know, there's more people sleeping rough. Um, you know, you see it on your work, walk to work every day and every, every time you walk home, it's, it's, it's very evident everywhere. Um, I, just, I just wonder how, how we got to this stage. It, it's, do you know, it, it's a question I've asked myself over and over. Um, but what is, is really worrying, you know, when people talk about homelessness, they probably think of the rough sleepers who are uh, on our streets. But homelessness is, t- is a different thing now. It's an additional. For example, that young girl who was talking about uh, staying in, in a hotel room. Um, but we're also talking about students who are trying to get accommodation near their colleges. We, we, homelessness is a different thing nowadays. And as that, that um, person just spoke about, what, what is happening? And I think what is happening is that we need, as I said at the beginning, to focus on these issues. And we need to support the organisations who are trying to deal with homelessness and accommodate them so that they can accommodate our, our, our people. But I was at a, a very, very uh, important project there a couple of weeks ago, uh, the inner city uh, helping the homeless. This again is extraordinary. These are volunteers who go out in the middle of the night and bring either toiletries or food or warm clothes to the homeless people. They don't get any government funding. And these are the issues that we must look at. Um, we're, we're expecting these volunteers to do a job that really are 
government should be doing. And this is why those projects are so important. We know about Simon, we know about all uh, the, the, the fabulous projects that are trying to help our people. But we need not to do, as I was saying when I was around the country, there's homelessness in Limerick as well. There's homelessness in every single county. And we need each county to address that so that we don't have a national plan. Is there anything you feel you can do as president to put pressure on the government then to, so we're not relying on those volunteers and the kindness and goodness of Irish people? To be perfectly honest, we must always rely on the goodness of the Irish people. This country would be on its knees without the volunteers of this country. And that is something I want to recognise, but not only recognise, to encourage more. Because again, looking at this from top down, it, it doesn't work. It's the communities, it's the volunteers who are doing, but what we need to do is support them, make it easier for them to help the homeless issue. During this campaign, um, there's been a lot of talk about the things the president can't do. And mm. I think it's particularly at the start, there was a lot of people telling you that there was no point in talking about A, B or C because you couldn't do anything about it. But I think it's important. And at the journal, that the idea behind this podcast was to make sure that people knew who you were, who all the candidates are, so that they can make a, a judgment on who they want to mm. vote for based on their opinions and, and insights into various topics that are important to society at the moment. Um so I've asked a lot of the candidates about um, life for women in Ireland at the moment, but I actually wanted to flip that a little bit for you because you have expertise a lot more, well, maybe not a lot more, but around um, what's happening for men in Ireland because of the suicide rates, because mental health rates, and they are generally more affected um, by those things. So like, I wanted to ask you, what you is Ireland a good place for men at the moment? Do you know, it's funny you should ask that. Again, I was talking to, to young women about men in the workplace. And uh, there was young, one young woman who is, uh, works in, in, in an administration uh, office and she spoke about how it is unfair in many ways for men at the moment, which was surprising for me. And what she spoke about was, for example, when a woman gets maternity leave and, you know, if she's in a fortunate position to get maternity leave, um, she also, this young woman also said men should get maternity leave as well. Now, I know that there are a couple of organisations that do that, but that really should be absolutely uh, countrywide because the uncertainty facing our young people and our young parents now is just overwhelming. You know, both parents have to work, but therefore both parents need that time to adjust to a new family situation. So that, that's, that's the one thing. Um, but I do think also we need to continue to look back at women in the workplace. I, I was trying to read an article there yesterday and it was it, I was delayed in, in, in reading it. But the headline was why women, why women do not go back into the workforce because of guilt. Now, what is that saying? I also know that there are, and, and I know from a personal level that there are women, young women who go back and w one of them was my daughter, goes back to a work situation after maternity to a very diminished role, not the same role. So what are we doing for women that's making it number one attractive to come back to work, to remain in the workforce, but to make it easier? I'm talking about childcare as well. You know, it's like a mini mortgage for so many young women to, to have their child looked after. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is I really, really honestly believe that more women need to come back, come into politics. I was going up and down the country into all the county councils and the city councils. Only one or two women present. And why is that? What are we doing to make it so unbelievably difficult for women to become politicians. One of the things that has actually happened in the last year was the repeal movement, which saw a lot of women who never would have been interested in politics, a lot of people who didn't even vote before um, happening. And we know your stance, you you were obviously a no voter in in the referendum. Um, And that was something I was going to come to next. There has been a lot made of... um, you're, you've said you're not connected to the Iona Institute, but a lot has been made, especially on social media, with that because you were a no voter. Um, you said in your initial statement on the matter, said you fundamentally disagree with their policies and beliefs, but that was subsequently diluted a little bit to say there are many aspects of their policies I disagree with. What are the policies you do agree with? Well, to be perfectly honest, you, you said about the, the voting no, and let me just clarify this now for a second. I came from St. Joseph's School this morning. Uh, there were a few young girls who will be able to vote this year, which, was, which is terrific. But what I said to them, and whatever about social media, what I've said to them this morning is that they are such a unique, a different generation. It's a generation who doesn't judge. And whether I voted no or whether I voted yes, we have a generation here over 18, 18 and over, who do not judge me. I had two daughters who voted yes, very, very strong advocates. And of course, there are parts of my family that voted no, you know, strong advocates again. This is what Ireland is. This is what we are. We, I don't we think have people want to know to judge you. I think people want to know what their president feels about these issues. So if you're going to be president, I think they want to know what, what is your stance on these things. But it is about judging. And I absolutely believe that I will not be judged by the younger generation. Whatever I voted for was, was my private conviction. It will have absolutely no impact whatsoever on my public duty. Just the same way as a mother and as a psychologist, do you think my children agreed with everything that I thought? Of course they didn't. But that didn't stop me from absolutely respecting them and respecting their But decisions. again, it's not about agreeing or judging. It's about knowing. It's about having the information so that you... So it's, it's on the record, to be perfectly honest. And again, over and over, the, 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 the answer doesn't change at all. But my initial question was about the policies of the Ionia Institute. But just because the, of that change in the statement, it, it made me interested to know which, which are the policies you do agree with then. Well, I, I actually, do you know what? The policy I don't agree with is is related to what I just said a few minutes ago about family. Family is so different nowadays. And I think, you know, when you talk about uh, different institutions, whether they have policies or not, you need to look at and see why, why do we not all realise that we're different families? There's a different makeup, a different composition of families nowadays. And that's what I don't agree with. I agree we need to embrace all family life, regardless, regardless. And that's regardless of sex, regardless, regardless of, of sex. sexuality. I mean, and, you know, again, you know, talking about the referendum, I voted yes for the same sex marriage, you know. So, again, you've got to understand, I, I reflect what Ireland is like. I reflect that we are diverse. We're allowed to be democratic. We're allowed to have discussions. And that those discussions mean that we are informed and we come up to a better informed decision.
One of the things that hasn't been talked about a lot is that there is another referendum on, on the day of the presidential election and that's on whether we should remove um, the blasphemy mm. um from our constitution. Yeah. Do you have you any feelings on of that course, yet? Of course, of course I have. You know, church and state should be absolutely separate. It, 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 at every level, it should be separate. There was also supposed to be, by the way, um, uh, Article 41.2, I think it was, on um, the, the the word women in the home. And it has been removed. That 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 uh, referendum or that, you know, vote on that has been removed. It's going to be delayed to some other time. You know, the, the reality is, again, we need to start looking at some of those aspects very clearly. Church and state should be separate. The word woman should be removed. And, you know, that's the Ireland that we're facing. And it's right that we are. Um, if on the 27th or the 28th of October, whatever day we get the results and you're not going to be the president, what are you going to do then? To be perfectly honest, I believe I'm going to be celebrating because I will be the president. We have one final question from a listener. No, not really. I haven't heard any any advertisement, any family talk about or, or nobody has said anything about us so far. They would be, yeah, because where I live here, like nobody seems to be interested or nobody's talking about us. So. What are you going to do? Nobody's interested. Nobody's talking about it. What are you going to do to rectify that? Well, I think that that's that happens at every uh, um, presidential election. It's not until things like this, this podcast uh, or, um, you know, when the TV debates come on, that's when people start really listening. And there's so much going on for people at this moment. They're busy with their lives, the Brexit issue. So I'd say when the TV debates start. Are you disappointed there's only three of them with Michael D. Higgins involved? Only two TV debates and one radio one where he's actually participating. Yeah, I, again, um, let me go back to what I said earlier about, you know, this is a job application. And remember, the people are the employers. If this, you know, like normal job applications, if, if one of the applicants refused to attend an interview, what would you be thinking? What would the future employer be thinking? And I, it's not just Michael D, but again, Sean Gallagher ha- didn't attend that first interview either. But that's what people need to think about. This is a job application. If someone doesn't go for one of the interviews, what do you think of that? OK, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for coming into us, Senator Joan Freeman. Thank you. Welcome back to the studio, Ronan Duffy. Ronan, I was kind of uh, quite taken that Joan Freeman there was able to get out of the Iona Institute question a lot easier than she has been, say, even on her Twitter statements. Yeah, well, I think one of the things she did was not that she ignored it, but she kind of accentuated on the things that she thought people might want to hear. You know, she said that she supported same-sex marriage and these kind of things. So she decided not to dwell on, you know, the Iona Institute's opinions on things. And I think that that's how she dodged the question, basically, by kind of just saying that this is what I agree with, not necessarily saying this is what I agree with them on. Did you learn anything new about her? Personally, I'm not sure I learned too much more about her. I think we learned that she's an excellent speaker. You can definitely see why she's a senator. Um, but I, I think one of the problems she faces is that, you know, she is a charity candidate and we have seen charity candidates in the past. 
and they've always struggled with this kind of this kind of aura that I'm not going to say goody two shoes but we have that kind of feeling about them I mean she even said herself that she wants to be you know the conscience and the heartbeat of people or she wants the presidency to be that and although people do want that they also want a president who's involved in talking about the state in talking about the big issues she says that she wants to you know Michael D look outwards and she wants the Irish people to look inwards and it, it's a very it's a very plausible argument to make and I can understand why people might want might want to buy into that but I'm not sure that's exactly what people want in a president Yeah she talked about being an expert in the area of mental health mm. but then in other um, questions she was saying she's just the ordinary person so is she sending us a mixed message or do you think that will land with some people? Well on that she was very much sending a mixed message because she was very clear that she's an average Joe but then she was saying she's the expert she also said I believe I'm the best candidate as well so that was a bit mix- mixed as well I think she did talk a bit about the limitations of being a senator which perhaps is something is something will people will identify with because you know We were going to get rid of that whole exactly, thing Exactly <laughs> we were going to get rid of it and people know the problems that exists there but you know she hasn't been a senator for that long so people might kind of question that I mean why now basically and and in terms of her biggest controversy over the last uh, few weeks has been that loan that she got from Des Walsh do you think that will kind of be the end of that or is that going to keep coming up until the 26th of October? Well I think it will keep coming up if only because the issue of costs as in, in terms of the presidency um, has always been raised and especially given the fact that we have you know three dragons in the race who you know have self-admitted to being millionaires so the issue of how you're funding it is going to come up but I think people do have some kind of sympathy for it I, I feel people will have sympathy for it she has argued well that well how else am I going to run in this race if I don't get a loan you know if I went to the bank asking for 120 grand to run for president you probably would be laughed out of the bank so I think she's at least answered those questions and whether or not she keeps getting answered them she definitely has learned how to answer the question The polling numbers are showing now that she won't get that money back mm. is, there, is there any way that she can increase those between now and the 26th? It's difficult to see if she can increase the level where she get the money back at any point but you know, she 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 has raised her profile within the country in this campaign. You know, she is still a senator. There's definitely a future for her in politics. I think people could see that. Whether or not she wants to stay in the political arena, I'm not sure. But if she wants to stay in, I think people have seen a side to it that they perhaps might want to, to see going forward. Okay, maybe we'll see her again in another seven years. Thanks very much, Ronan. Thank you for listening to The Candidate with me, Sinead O'Carroll and Ronan Duffy. This episode was produced by Aoife Barry, co-produced and edited by Nikki Ryan. Thanks to the entire team at thejournal.ie and acting editor Christine Bohan. Thanks also to DIT Angel Street for the use of its recording studio. Music you've heard is by Incompetech. You can find all other episodes of The Candidate on soundcloud.com forward slash the underscore candidate. Happy voting.